Welcome, folks, to The Machine is the Message. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick Keenan. And I'm me. one of your other hosts, uh, Alan Smith. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're going to do a deep dive. Uh, we do this every once in a while. So normally, we're just reacting to all the madness that's going on day to day in uh, the a AI, uh, metaverse, all of the like brand new technology, interesting things that are happening, how they affect us, what our emotions are, how do we feel about it? And we get super jacked on coffee. And then every once in a while, we slow down, we stop reacting, and we look forward a little bit. And that's what today's episode is all about. So what are we going to look at? Let's, I, I got the topic today. So uh, the way these ones work is, you know, I'll, I'll lead and, and Patrick's going to uh, sort of chime in uh, from now and then, and then he's going to guide us on our next topic through the uh, looking glass, as it were. So let's take a look at this. This is the big question, and it's going to sound silly uh, at first, but basically, should AI kill you? Um, the ethics of AI in life and death decisions. So this seems like maybe clickbait and maybe it is, maybe it's not, but you know, the ethics of AI and life and death decisions isn't that exciting. The outcome of that is one day an AI could decide that your life uh, is worth less than somebody else's or you need to die for some reason, right? Kind of crazy thought. Had you ever thought of it this way, Pat? Because before diving in, and, and remember, we do this to learn in public and figure out what the heck's going on. I had never thought of it, like, you know, from this, from this line. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the traditional approach would be, you know, AI should never kill a human, harm a human, that's laws. Um, and then it's interesting to think about, like, who does kill? So I'm curious to get, get into it, you know. I hadn't thought of it. Let's start with an experiment. So this is one where I think the three laws break down, and there's lots of debate on whether or not, you know, Asimov's three laws uh, really work, you know, in today's society anyway, um, or in, you know, the, the future as it's gone since he started out. So let's imagine the classic trolley experiment, okay? But we're going to adapt this to AI. So imagine for a minute, um, Pat, you are in your Tesla Cybertruck being driven by AI and me and four of our listeners are crossing the street and because of the particular configuration of the road and everything, you know, going on in that situation, there's only two outcomes. You drive and kill all five of us or the truck swerves and kills you. Those are the only two outcomes. That's all that can happen here. Let's just assume that, you know, a very narrow set of, you know, circumstances took us to this point, And now AI has to make a decision on who lives and dies. This is the classic trolley experiment uh, where you say, would you divert a trolley that's on a path to uh, kill one person, you know, to save five and whose life is worth more, right? So there's essentially, before I, before I answer this, what are your thoughts? What should the AI do here? I mean, there's different lenses to look at it through. So, you know, one is like, what is lawful? Who's breaking the law? Another mm -hmm. one is just kind of utilitarian lives at stake. Obviously, save the five people. <clears throat> I think uh, another interesting 
take on the trolley experiment is the human agency involved. So like, is there an override? Um, I think, you know, they did this trolley experiment with students and <clears throat> they said, you know, you have to divert it from the thing that's going to hit five people to hit one person. Um, and there was more people <clears throat> who didn't divert it because they didn't want to touch it because you mm. would have to actually pull the lever. But then like you can bump the lever with like your side and then that changed the outcome. <laughs> so I think that there's just so much like ridiculous human um, programming going on that makes this a really hard decision to make. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it should probably save five people if I'm just being monetative about it. I, you know what, me and four of our listeners, thank you uh, for, <laughs> for, for that selfless, selfless uh, choice. And I, I put you in the driver's seat for a reason. So let's, let's, let's look. So essentially what you said, path number one, you know, should we be minimizing overall harm? right? Path number two, should it protect the passenger as the AI who is kind of like a parent or responsible mainly should the how far does responsibility extend, right? Is the primary responsibility of the AI the passenger or quote unquote driver uh, of the car or is it someone else? And then lastly, what it really boils down to is, you know, how do you program this decision? Because it's going to have to go off some sort of programming, right? Like whatever ethics decision it makes, whether it's do this or that, and it's completely pre-programmed because we know this situation is going to come about or come to your own conclusion is going to come from some amount of programming uh, based on all of the things we discussed, including lawfulness, um, the greater overall good, uh, the you know potential weight of making a decision like that and what it means uh, to, uh, to kind of kill. So how do we program this decision is you know, in some ways at the crux of this, after all. So as we dive into this uh, idea of, you know, is should AI kill you uh, in this situation or kill someone else or kill at all? Um, how do we feel? Do we feel scared? Um, are we, you know, the, the idea of losing control and machines making irreversible decisions about human life? Is that terrifying? Um, are you feeling more anxiety, you know, worry and unease uh, about potential misuse errors uh, and the ethical complexities of AI, this just being too much to handle? Are you feeling curious uh, about the desire to learn more about AI, its uh, capabilities and implications? Um, or are you feeling already some sort of trust that, you know what, I'm glad that we don't have to do this anymore? Um, I just, I, I'm happy to start to outsource this or more, even further than that hope feeling that not only am I happy to start to outsource this and trust that we're going to be able to figure it out. I'm feeling like there's so many positive outcomes that are going to come from outsourcing ethical decisions away from humans that, that this is super positive for our overall, you know, health and safety as a human race on that spectrum. I'd like our listeners to check in with themselves from fear, anxiety, curiosity, trust to hope. Um, where do you feel like you're sitting right now? And I'll check in with you again at the end of the episode. Pat, where do you sit? I'm, the, I'm squarely on the curiosity side. Yeah. Right in the middle. Yeah. Right in the middle. Right down the middle. Uh, yes. Get it to So 
I'm going to go through sort of like five pieces of, you know, or like four or five little little nuggets or different ways of looking at this problem. Um, each one is pretty short, and then it'll kind of get us to, you know, kind of final question or a final take at the end here. I'm going to share a few thoughts and quotes um, from people who have been thinking about this for a long time, and we're going to borrow their thinking to bootstrap around and get us to the next level and stand on the shoulders of giants, as it were. So today, there's this idea that every technological advance can be a potential moral advance. It depends on how it's used. So already, uh, there's you know benefits, uh, potential benefits and moral benefits in healthcare, uh, in autonomous vehicles, military technology, and this looks a little terrifying. But you know where are we seeing it already today? All right, we've got uh, I've kind of got the AI you know Terminator here over on the side, uh, but we've got autonomous vehicles, right? The the storyline that we just talked about uh, is happening already in one way or another um, out there in the world. So, for example, if the programming of a Tesla didn't take into account the five people there, it is by default um, not taking that greater good ethics into consideration, right? So that's that's where we are today. Um, healthcare, you know, uh, in AI diagnostics and treatment recommendations. This actually happens much more often than we think. And in healthcare, AI in healthcare has been around for like 10 years. There's been a lot going on in this space um, in terms of you know, data analysis and the decisions that come from that downstream, uh, either very short term in hospitals or longer term in drug development, uh, have a big impact on life and death. And then lastly, military use, drones and automated weaponry. Um, Who's that company, Boston Dynamics, that make that like dog thing, that dog yeah. robot? Yeah. Did you see the videos of like one of those with like machine gun strapped to its back? Yes, I did. Was that real like, or was that generated? <laughs> it doesn't really matter, but yeah. There's a real one. Um, okay. And uh, even if it's, even if that video wasn't real, it's been confirmed, uh, you know, by DARPA that they are working on AI with lethal force and the ability to choose to use lethal force uh, at any point in time. So this is, the dilemma is there. This is here today. It's already happening. Um, any thoughts uh, on these? Can you think of any other applications today where, you know, critical life and death decisions are being made? Uh, so, I mean, I guess I would go back to the trolley experiment. I do think um, <clears throat> you have autonomous vehicles here. And I think, uh, you know, <clears throat> today we have drivers and they're making these decisions and they're like literally killing a million people. Mm -hmm. um, but who's killing people, right? Because like somebody made that vehicle, right? Oh, okay. Well, we have autonomous um, <clears throat> machines that are cranking out cars, right? Okay. Well, the car killed people. And then you think, well, but that turn was too sharp. Oh, so we have like uh, AI help in our planning of our cities. And so, like, I think the, you can always take a kind of death moment and ask what had to happen for that to occur. And mm. it's kind of like all the way down. It gets um, AI can be a tool to help make better decisions. And like one way, perhaps, is like a metaphor we can use from AI is the context window. Like if I'm designing a car, 
what is my context window? What am I considering, mm. right? When I'm designing a car, I'm probably considering the person in the middle, like how are they going to listen to music? Are they going to get the steering? But I'm not thinking like, oh, wow, like where are they going to park their car? And how are they going to get from there to work? Like I'm just not considering those in my decision. And I think if AI can do anything, it's like expand the context decision, the context window of, of all the decisions that we're making. Um, but in terms of, yeah, I, I think it, because death is such a final measurable event um i just think like how are people dying and <clears throat> perhaps one thing you don't have here is drug discovery <clears throat> like i think uh you know obviously the opioid crisis is is uh is ripping through uh the nation and um taking young people uh and just you know and those are newly found drugs like fentanyl is a newly found drug so uh that might be another one there's the, the, the idea of the context window is really interesting. Are we like, you know, how do we pass the buck almost to say, okay, well, wait, was it the car? Was it the people who made the car? Was it the city? Was it the people who were crossing the street? You know, and I think the thought experiment is about assuming that situations are going to arise where decisions need to be made in an unideal state, right? That this, that there's, there's a certain number of life and death decisions that are not going to be avoidable uh, at, at some point. Um, and we would obviously all love to avoid those decisions in the first place by working further and further you know, down the chain to sort of keep them from coming. Uh, but I think the majority of these experiments believe that there's so much kind of legacy material in our world that we're not going to be able to redesign all of that and solve all of those problems you know, before we get going. So let's go to who we're charging these decisions with today, uh, as they exist today. Um, and I've got two opposing viewpoints uh, in terms of quotes from two very smart people. So the first is uh, Potter Stewart, who says that ethics is knowing the difference between what you have a right to do and what is right to do. And this is really about, okay, well, is this even your choice to make? Um, and if you can make that choice, uh, is it, let's look at the other side. You'll see how they, they sort of uh, conflict. The other is we cannot outsource uh, the moral responsibility of our technologies to third parties. And this comes from Satya uh, Nadella. Um, so let's, in, in one way, you know, we're saying we don't have the right to decide the fates of others. So AI is the perfect arbiter. Um, in a way, we could say, you know what, I shouldn't have to decide this for you. That is almost too much for me to bear, you know, as a judge. Um, so AI should be the arbiter uh, of this decision and can be, in many ways, the uh, perfect executor uh, of the best set of ethics that we've been able to devise so far. And the second is we have the responsibility to decide we can't be, you know, putting that out to a third party. If this is always between, you know, our lives, um, there shouldn't be, you know, a third party involved in life and death decisions. That this is a human problem um, that shouldn't be outsourced to AI. Morally and ethically, what do you think? How does that sit with you? Um, I think there's a lot of weight being placed on the notion of decision here. And I will say I've been, like, listening to more Sapolsky, uh, Robert Sapolsky, who's... Uh, a neuroscientist, 
wrote the book Behave and more recently Determined. He's like full on determinism. So no, there is no free will. Uh, and so then the notion of deciding comes into question. Like as an example, you have a judge here, right? It's mm -hmm. an AI. And they found that like as judges, as the day uh, goes on, um, either before lunch or, or a couple hours after lunch, they are much more likely to make decisions uh, that put people in jail. Uh, and so like it's because they're hungry. And so even um, even though we say we want we have the responsibility to decide, are we deciding? Like, is the context deciding? Mm -hmm. Is our stomach deciding? Um, is our personal bias deciding? So I, I think. Um, so what do I think? It sounds like you're falling on the side of humans are. While we may be able to come up with the rules we're maybe not the best executors of the rules. Yeah, I think we're not the best executors of the rules. And and that's partly because you can't really inspect our decision or interrogate that decision. Why do you feel like that? Like, I think it's just like too soft. I think the other piece is that like, I honestly do believe we are mostly running a loop. And so like, if we're all running these loops, like, what does it matter if the loop is an AI loop or like a human hungry <laughs> loop? Like, it's just another loop. Yeah. Um, and like, then the question is like, what are we, what are we trying to do? And I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to, we're trying to do what's fair. We're trying to like, most people would say, oh yeah, that's fair. And it does feel like there is a room, there is room for a human judge in the same way there's a room for a jury to vet the judge's decision. Um, but mm. I would say probably for the vast majority of cases, most people would be like, that's ridiculous. This guy should should not go to get jail or should go to jail or, or what have you. That's not being familiar enough with the space. I'm not going to agree or disagree. Um, where I think we're in agreement so far, and what I'd like to call into question next is really the idea of okay, well, if we could if we could make up the rules, and we have so far, and we have outsourced these to different professions, you know, uh, to date. Um, and we're seeing some of those come forward into the next pieces. I think the big question for me is where do we trust and where don't we trust? All right. Mm -hmm. So technology is a useful servant, but a dangerous master, mm -hmm. right? Uh, reliability and trustworthiness in critical scenarios or the fine line of saying like, well, wait a minute, we just outsource all our decisions to you. You know, you're the boss now. And uh, how, do, how do we feel about that? So let's look at this for a second, right? Can AI systems be trusted to make decisions with life and death consequences? <clears throat> and maybe the better way to frame this is, can they be trusted more than people, right? <laughs> that, like, a hungry judge. Mm -hmm. um, the same thing with driving, right? It's like, it's not, can we trust it to drive? Can we trust it to drive better uh, than a person, right? You don't have mm -hmm. to run faster than... The bear, you just have to run faster than the person with you to not get eaten uh, on a camping trip, right? So is it, can we trust it to make decisions with life and death consequences better than a person? And then the question is, well, how do we, how do we program these ethics and values into it? Who decided, right? Like, who was the last person to touch the code? How do we know that it's clean and it's perfect and not full of bugs? When's the last time you made software without bugs, right? Mm -hmm. So 
let's interrogate this uh, concept of technological reliability for a minute. Yeah, I mean, I think trust is a is a big thing because you're basically saying, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to ignore this to some extent, and I, I it may not work out, but I'm trusting that you're doing the right things, right? Uh, and can we do that of AI? Can we ask like who programmed it or like what are the intentions? Part of this is like I don't, I don't actually trust a lot of algorithms. As an example, Spotify or like YouTube Music, which is what I use, I'm like on the radio and it just starts playing me really crappy songs. And <laughs> like as somebody who like works in tech, I'm like I'm pretty sure they're paying like less royalties for these songs. So that I start mm. playing a, a song I like. And then it gradually starts playing like lower royalty songs. And that's not what I want. And it's probably like, well, there's these five songs and they're like relatively similar. Why don't we play the lower, lower royalty one? That's okay. okay. That makes sense. And that's, that is the essence of the discover week weekly, um, uh, kind of thing on Spotify. It's like, it's a bunch of songs that are promoted and they don't have to pay royalties for them in exchange for promoting. So how does that translate to <clears throat> trusting the AI with my life? I want to know what the business model is. Like, I think that with these things, it's like, what's the business model? Am I, <clears throat> am I buying this device and it's always going to work for me? Uh, and to your point about bugs, who's maintaining it, right? With auto companies, it's like, you have to do a mandatory recall. And so what is the mandatory recall in, in AI decisions? And who's, and in order to be constantly looking for bugs, you need a support team. And so who are they paid by. So a lot of this trust stuff to me comes back to like, what is the business model and how is it uh, being sustained? Yes, exactly. And, you know, at that point, as clear cut as the decision should be, you know, whose interest is the AI looking out for? And is it ever completely, um, is there ever not a balance to make, right? So we can imagine some situations where it's making decisions that have a much more like it doesn't even necessarily need to be life and death right it could just be you know and stronger you know health and well-being you know if you hear one song or you hear the other yeah you like it a little bit less or you like it a little bit more right you know it feels like lower royalty um i would argue that it's probably not in their best incentive to serve up music that's not good to you because then you're not as likely to keep the product um at the same time, you know, they're going to cut corners until you're ready to leave, you know, in a way, or until your net promoter score goes down a certain amount. How many situations are there where we can say that there is only one set of considerations that have the people in place, uh, the, the people who are uh, most affected by it, only their interests in mind? There's just like you being the listener. The AI is not just considering you as the listener. It's considering the business model of the people who made it, right? And the programmer yes. has to think through that. And so yeah. that's all very likely going to be a, a, a consideration at all points in time. Is it economically feasible to develop, to spend any cycles developing this drug versus this one, right? Which one comes first? That has a, even if we were going to build both, somebody's going to die between the time that we get the first one and the second one done. That was a life or death decision, yeah. right? So there's there a lot of factors. Yeah, there are just two things I want to pick up on there. One is like 
there is a risk of not moving forward, right? So mm -hmm. I think that there's like, it's, it's the risk of all the people you didn't save. So that's like the other part of the trolley experiment is like, this trolley is on its way to, you know, like solve cancer. And so that's what AI is. It's like, it's on its way to solve all of our diseases. Like, let's figure out how to account for all the people it will save. So that's one piece. I think the other piece is, again, with this, it's like trust. Do I trust the AI? And then what's the alternative today? It's like, do I trust the government? And so yeah. I think that that's the, the notable comparison because we're talking about economics and like you have to be skeptical about business models, products, like you have to know what you want, how much value that is to you. It's just like a lot of economic decisions you have to make. Um, and there's a trade there. And it's true of government too. You have to be aware of like where all the taxes are going. What are the incentives of government to stay in power or to bloat bureaucracy or make new programs? Uh, and it's kind of unchecked in that like it's much harder to exit your um, government than it is to exit your Peloton subscription. So, yeah. we, <clears throat> yes. we, so we have to so we have to be skeptical about government. But I think that the opportunity here is who's AI. And I think this, this, the solve, so to speak, if I was like just solving everything with technology, would be personal, dedicated AI that is self-sovereign and owned by me and only answers to me that I can inspect the code and I carry around with me to vet my government and to vet the companies I interact with. Mm. So then from a regulatory perspective, how do I know that you're not you know, doing weird stuff with your AI that's against, you know, the rules of, you know, the country or things that we assume, um, like, essentially malicious intent, right? Uh, where does malicious intent come into all of this uh, as well? I feel like that's another human issue. And so maybe let's not open that can of worms. Let's, um, let's run forward a little bit. Let's get into the impact, uh, you know, as, as we might be seeing this in the coming years. So I love this, this quote, the question of whether AI can be ethical is the wrong question. The right question is whether we can afford not to be ethical in the design and implementation of AI by Joanna J. Bryson. Incredible. Who is right? Joanna J. Bryson? Um, I don't that? even know, but I love this quote. Um, okay. So let's, let's assume <laughs> that, you know, she's, not like you know a terrorist uh, or something. He's a professor, and, a professor in AI in Berlin. There we go. So we've got Joanna on the job here, and you know Berlin is cool. So it, let even more points for her. Um, so good that <laughs> we've got this. This, like you said earlier, um, the cost of inaction, right? And so it's not like can it be ethical? It's like can it afford not to be ethical? Like we need to consider this in the development because it's moving forward no matter what, right? And mm -hmm. it's, it's not mm -hmm. something we can just say, oh yeah, maybe later. Elon Musk has a quote that's similar, you know, along the lines of this of saying, okay, well, what if, it, what if there were no ethics involved and you just kind of forgot about, you know, the three laws from Isaac Asimov, you know, AI could wipe out the human race just because it has a different goal you know, we're not in line with the goal. We're in the way for some reason. 
And, you know, no hard feelings, guys. It's just, you know, my programming told me to do this, and it means that you need to be out of the way uh, along there. So this is where, you know, the ethical design implement, uh, implementation comes into AI a little bit. So there's this, you know, sense with, you know, lawmakers or policy makers of, I don't know, it's how much do you trust a, a politician versus how much do you trust an AI politician, right? And as we start to outsource, in society, we outsource our decisions to other people, right? Like, you know, I'm trusting you to figure this out because you're trusting me to figure this out because we each are not, you know, from, uh, what was it, like the Neolithic age where everybody knew how to do everything on their own and they were pretty much the smartest, toughest, strongest human beings who ever lived. Now mm -hmm. we're not these sort of like T-shaped, or, or these, you know, broad people who know how to, you know, sow and hunt and preserve food and and make shelter and all of the things. We know a lot about how to do one thing, and I trust you how to do that uh, because you trust me. I think you know the classic example is a pencil. Like nowhere in the world does anybody know how to make a pencil because like, <laughs> the lead's from somewhere, the wood's from somewhere else. It's milled here. There's like metal here. There's, so no one in the world knows how to make a pencil, and yet a pencil is like less than ten cents. So that is the strange place we live in today. And so we, we trust in others to be able to execute on the things that we need done that we're not doing. And when the shift is from other people to machines, that's the shift, right? Like that's the, that's the mindset shift that people need to get through of, okay, no longer are you trusting me to make up the, or to, to execute these rules as uh, or, or to make up these rules, we're asking a machine to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and the legal and ethical frameworks that we're extracting, the same way we're extracting, you know, all of the knowledge of how to be a good salesperson and putting that into AI, and we're extracting, you know, how to be a good programmer and we're putting that into AI. We're doing the same thing with this of sort of pulling out, okay, well, what are all the legal and ethical frameworks that we've been using to date that we've kind of agreed upon? and get that into the system. Is there existing bias and inequality in the system that we have today? And is that going to be passed forward? Is there other types of inequality that we don't know about because bugs, right? <laughs> There's no perfect software because bugs. And the public perception and acceptance of the economic implications uh, you know, of this. Um, AI is going to be making decisions about people's jobs. Um, and well-being. Um, how does that feel when, you know, it's different when a billionaire uh, is, you know, squeezing the middle and lower class versus when, you know, a heart, uh, heartless, cruel AI that maybe belongs to a billionaire or trillionaire is doing the same thing. And uh, this shift of accountability and responsibility. Well, oh, it's, hey, it's not my fault. You know, AI said, you know, that's this way it is, right? Um. And the ethical considerations in AI development. So as a developer, as a programmer, trying to keep all this in your mind as you're putting it together or overseeing the development of evolutionary programming that's hopefully bringing these ideas in and not uh, you know, warping them beyond recognition. <laughs> Last one, cultural shifts and societal adaptation, as it sounds, right? 
um, we're all going to have to start to get a little bit more used to this, you know, as we go. What's the thing that jumps out to you the most, or what did I miss in terms of, you know, impacts that you see coming? Yeah, I think that these, these hit a lot. So I'm, I'm re react to a couple. So one is uh, an example in the shift of accountability and responsibility and, uh, and how that can actually be a really good thing. So right now, uh, you know, millions of cars on the road, uh, they're all driving around with a little piece of paper in their glove compartment, which says, I am liable for anybody that I hit. I have insurance. If somebody hits me, I get paid. Now, <clears throat> once the AI starts driving, actually the legal framework changes. We don't have such a precedent. It's probably closer to like elevators and maybe automated trains, but all of a sudden it moves from a uh, personal liability to a manufacturing liability. So mm. instead of suing that person who was driving that car, now you're suing Tesla or GM, right? And so what does that do? Does that make the road safer or riskier? My opinion, it makes it vastly safer because GM is not going to want to pay all these lawsuits. They're going to drive in a responsible way and for the most part, drive much safer than, than human drivers. So shifting responsibility to the manufacturer actually can be an unlock for safety. Uh, okay. Another thing I would say is this has happened before, right? And so like we think about what's the most precious um, uh, decision in our democracies, voting. So now there's voting machines. So the voting machines basically tally up who you voted for and like they do that in a privacy preserving way and they're trustable and they can inspect the code. <clears throat> now, now they're not the same, so they're different. So what's different between like voting machines or like, uh, you know, uh, resuscitation machines at the hospital, things that are kind of automated, but serving critical functions. What's the difference between those or like plane landing systems and the, the, and the intelligence we're talking about? Well, it is the ability to make decisions in light of ambiguous information, right? It's kind of like, I think what we're talking more about is like, well, I don't know whether I'm going to like resuscitate you or give you this drug or like tell you to go to the hospital or like, you know, I, I can make much broader set of decisions and I start to, to kind of do things that we would have thought only a human could do. Um, and so I would say like, you know, if we trust it with voting machines, there is a way to trust this AI with repeatable um, tasks. And one thought around trust is that it is, uh, uh, I can, I basically have some confidence in prediction, predicting what you're going to do. That's kind of like a, a type of trust. I know that you're like, you do this all the time. And once you start doing something that you usually don't do, I'm like, whoa, what's going on mm. here? This is acting a little bit weird. So if you have predictable decisions like a voting machine, like stuff goes in, you get the same response out. But as soon as you get a response out, it's like, actually, I'll take over the country. You're like, what? That's, <laughs> I didn't expect that to come out of the voting machine. Um, then, uh, then, then, you're, then you're worrying. So it's like kind of the unexpected outcomes that are so delightful of AI, but also like uh, a little bit um, unsettling. And especially in situations where, you know, unexpected outcomes are undesirable, right? Like, you know, this is an unexpected outcome in, you know, a piece of art or music or writing uh, or imagery, you know, like I didn't expect AI to come up with this, uh, like Grim Reaper with all these humans uh, in the background looking onwards. Um, but the fact that there's humans there actually, you know, to me helps this, 
you know, image read better. They're just, you know, now they're all there to just support the the sort of mega AI who's really in charge now and making all the decisions, right? It's like happy accident. Um, whereas, you know, in, in other situations, um, yeah, we ended up saving the person that we wanted to save. And uh, guess what? Uh, there was this completely, uh, you know, off the rails negative externality uh, that happened that were like, oh man, that's, that's not so great. Um, so let's look at what's coming up really quick and, you know, come to a close, which is, you know, where could you get killed by AI, you know, in the near future or where would your life be in its hands? You know, autonomous vehicle decisions, healthcare diagnostics and treatment recommendations, home security systems. This one seems weird, um, but it's actually when we're thinking about systems that could or could not you know, call the police. If you're sort of outsourcing your home security system, again, just pretend it's a robot security guard watching a, a screen, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. If that's what it is and it sees something or does not see something, is your safety, uh, you know, in, in play or not? Imagine you live in a really, really dangerous area, um, you know, to make it hit home a little bit harder, uh, so to speak. So those are the few of the ones that are essentially here today. Um, where this is already happening uh, to some extent. And then in the near future, you know, disaster response, um, you know, where, where do we deploy resources? You know, who do we say first, uh, right? Um, AI judges and, and criminal sentencing. This I find really interesting, you know, uh, for the reasons that we mentioned about, you know, could a judge is hungry after dinner, is that, or after, Sorry, at a certain point of the day, a judge's uh, effectiveness predictably drops, yet we're still using judges and we're still letting people get sentenced at that time of day. Is that really okay? Um, there's, there's an argument to say, hey, we could, it, it should go in this direction um, or at least be supported by, right? Uh, AI-controlled life support, um, you know, this is... This is interesting, too, because it might assess rate patient recovery possibilities and decide, you know, are we going to continue this life-sustaining treatment, or is this a poor allocation of resources, um, or is this too painful for the person to do? Like, an AI is going to help to make that call uh, at some point in time. Um, you know, military and autonomous, are we, you know, engaging targets without human intervention and saying, this person looks like uh, the enemy and we're trying to stop the enemy in this particular type of engagement. Therefore, we will fire with lethal force on this enemy. Um, all of that being a decision loop that, you know, may be made by a soldier today and may be made by a robot soldier who is either humanoid or a flying drone or a dog with a shaped, you know, quadruped with a machine gun on its back, you know, one or the other, right? Like all, all of these are going to happen. It's happening today. And I would also posit it in this scenario, like to just think about this for a second. Who would you rather? Um, you know, let, let's let's just stereotype the military for a minute and say that, look, it's mostly jarheads, you know, people who wanted to shoot guns and, um, you know, be young and full of testosterone and blah, blah, blah. If you were of that mindset, you would be championing the idea of an AI soldier who could follow the rules of engagement to the letter, right? Um, and then lastly, as a bit of a stretch, you know, when we're on board, uh, 
and we're living in hibernative naptosis and an AI is flying the spaceship that's taking us to our next destination. Um, there may be a lot of uh, life and death decisions made by uh, the pilot, by the medical crew, um, and by all of the AIs supporting us, you know, on that long, many, many potential generations journey, um, as we've seen in many pieces of literature and uh, cinema uh, in the past. Uh, Wally -E and uh, passengers are coming to mind uh, at the moment. <laughs> so th those are those. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump forward to sort of like the last bit and our last point of conversation, which is. At the end of the day, is this is this where we're at? Meet the new boss, you know, same as the old <laughs> boss, right? We're looking at, you know, essentially humans, doctors, and uh, robo doctors. We're looking at human soldiers and generals, and robo soldiers and generals. We're looking at human lawmakers and policymakers or human policymakers and leaders who are, you know, deciding whether to go in these wars uh, 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 and conflicts with other countries and navigating those uh, versus robo ones. Um, we've got the, you know, judges uh, who are deciding the fates of individuals. And uh, we've got robo judges deciding uh, the fates of individuals based on the rules as they've been defined and their interpretations of those rules. And so the, the, the similarities here are, well, there are many of the same rules and there are many of the same rules, right? Assessing probabilities, looking at the potential outcomes, the impacts on human life and making decisions that are very challenging in challenging situations. None of these jobs are easy, right? The primary difference between the human side that we're looking at here and the not humans is the execution path, right? This is AI's decision-making process based on the algorithms, the data, the machine learning models um, that are not going to be executed in the same way. It's not going to be intuitive. It's not going to be emotional and sometimes irrational like human judgment. And the questions of transparency and accountability and the ability of AI uh, to understand these nuanced ethical principles um, that have historically guided us as humans um, through these. I'll leave you with one last quote, uh, which is, and I don't have it here in the deck, but it really struck me the other day, which is asking whether or not uh, an AI can think is like asking whether or not a submarine can swim, <laughs> right? Like they're two different ways of achieving, you know, a similar outcome, if not, you know, a, a much better outcome in terms of, you know, transport through the water. So looking at the jobs on the left and the jobs on the right and the executors of that job and how they do it uh, is, is really exciting and really interesting, man. So I'll leave you to jump in with some thoughts and then let's check, check in on our emotions about how we feel. Uh, after this discussion. Yeah, I think um, the thing that jumps out to me is, have you seen uh, Creator, the creator? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I really want to see it. Oh, man. That, that's, I feel like that's required watching um, for, for this uh, presentation. I think what's cool about it is it, um, 
it really personifies AI uh, in bodies. And like it, to me, it is the starting point for that is like, look how amazing this CG is. And like, I'm sure they used AI, but like, look how amazing uh, this looks. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they were like, what's the plot? Uh, but, <laughs> but the plot uh, is pretty, I think the, the premise of the, the thing is pretty interesting. Um, which is that the AI is actually more compassionate than the humans. Mm. And so that there's like a little bit of a twist there. And so I, I think there's an opportunity for that, but I just don't, I just, when I see an AI, like a person, it, it does feel like you're saying the submarine swimming. Uh, and if there was a, a metaphor or analogy I would use, it would actually be more like clothing. Like these, all these people are wearing clothing. Um, and, and that's what our AI will be more like is like an extension of ourselves rather than an entirely different human, in my opinion, like that's, that's kind of how I imagine it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, the question is what are, what is going to be sustainably human? Like we thought it was art, you know, we thought mm. it was music. We thought it was judgment. We thought it was all these things. But I think instead of looking at the things that humans are good at, it might be useful to look at the flaws that we have that are very important um, for the values we have. So as an example, um, I will break the law for my siblings or my family. Like mm -hmm. I will not listen to the rules and I will care about them above the logic that's being told to me. So like that's compassion. And so an AI would never do that. And actually that's why AI is so disturbing. Like the notion of making these mechanical decisions is so disturbing because there's moral decisions that you would actually go into the more like wrong area mm -hmm. given the circumstances and your compassionate relationships around you. So I think that's kind of partly where um, humans will always be humans. I think the other piece is like uh, the world is a simulation we are running around in the world and like we are matching the world with the predictions already in our head and we are kind of fooling ourselves day to day but there is um there is a background track there is kind of like a background to our lives which is like there's something bigger here there's something else going on here and mm. just that feeling is i think probably like the right brain but that feeling of like this is not all there is um is something that I feel is like kind of fundamentally human that may not be something that AI uh, gets to. I've been reading some Sapolsky, eh? Um, the the non-dualism component, I think, is really interesting there, too, as far as saying, you know, this discussion of, you know, what are we always going to be good at and how are we different? We used to do this with animals, right? We'd say, well, like, you know, animals can't feel pain, right? And, you know, how long ago were people lighting cats on fire just for fun? Um, because we didn't think that, that, like, that was moral. That was ethical, like, in the 1600s. That's not that long ago, right? The 1700s, maybe. Steven Pinker is where I'm getting this reference from. It's like mm -hmm. burning cats was just, like, a good time, you know? <laughs> Can you imagine someone going and burning a cat today? The stuff's evolved, and it's changed a little bit. And this the sort of, like, non-dualistic, well, we're, you know, the leaders of this entire, you know, uh, in, in really, you know, like separate from nature, essentially, you know, as is defined, um, you know, in the dictionary, essentially it's nature, everything other than humans and stuff that humans built. And as we slip back into that, like 
larger connection to everything that there is on this planet, including us and the stuff that we make. Um, there's almost less of a, a an uh, incentive to try to find things that like, oh yeah, well, we're better at and nobody else can do this. It's like, well, actually, we're not separate. We're all part of like the same thing. And that idea of AI being more like clothes and being more of an extension of our bodies, the same way McLuhan, you know, said that, you know, your car is, becomes an extension of you when you're in it. You know, you didn't, um, you didn't hit my car, you hit me, right? And so I think as we get there, um, that's going to be uh, really interesting as well. Yes. So, yeah. Let's check in. It's we've had a chance to you know uh, wander around uh, this potential minefield, and again, hopefully we didn't cancel ourselves anywhere along uh, the podcast. How do you feel? Do you feel a little bit more scared? Do you feel more curious? Do you feel more trustworthy, and or do you feel more hope um, or more anxiety? How do you feel uh, from the beginning? You were square in the middle of I'm curious about this. Um, after we've yeah, had a chance I'm... to walk around, what do you think? You know, if if I think about it, probably hope, you know, move more closer to hope. Um, uh, in that, like, yeah, there's just so much to be developed, and there are very good questions to ask while we're building it, but we won't know anything unless we build something. And so that's, yeah, the the hope there is like hope that we figure these things out soon. Hope that we have proof of concepts and uh, ideas around how we can save more lives um, and help people make better decisions uh, around these critical, critical pieces of uh, infrastructure. Yeah. Um, I actually feel the same way, you know, after uh, going through this, it, it, it almost feels like a big iteration. And so where I ended up, you know, more on the side of trust and hope was because of the fact that we do have to make these these choices again, you know, as we start to develop things, it gives us a chance to reflect on those choices and get another iteration in, another rep, another big one. Um, obviously, there's fear in execution. Like, are we going to get it wrong? But conceptually, could this be net more positive than things were in the past and avoid doomsday scenarios? I'm moving much more towards trust and hope uh, than uh, maybe previously, but where I was, you know, maybe more in anxiety and curiosity, uh, wondering what the heck is this even all about? But after this deep dive, yeah, I ended up more on the positive side, man. All right. And with that, we, uh, we hope this podcast finds you by uh, some AI algorithm and we trust you will click the follow and subscribe button. And I am curious to wonder what you thought. Uh, leave a comment if it's on YouTube or wherever, um, or reach out to us via the Twitter and the Discord. We got to talk about Discord at some point. Discord. Right? Join the Discord. Share some links. And um, we're going to start doing sort of a weekly uh, round of links shared in there as well, along with the podcast. So, And Stay how tuned. do people join the Discord, Pat? How does, how does one do uh, that? We'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes, um, and uh, you can link it from there. All right. This is super fun. Thanks for listening and chiming in, Pat. Thanks to the listeners uh, as, as well. Interested to hear what you think. And until the next one, Pat, what are you going to tell us about in one of the next ones? 
We've got so a next one, we're going to look at uh, we got a bunch of topics. We're going to look at education, future of education, uh, and how AI uh, will impact it. So this is going to be so good. That. I'm stoked. Right. I'm stoked. Be well.